Uh, turn in your Bibles to Psalm 55. Psalm 55. Uh, this morning we're going to look at a psalm and we're going to talk a little bit about the psalms and I, I want to give you uh, an important, I, I hope it's important to you. Um, there, This trial, whatever this trial is to you, <clears throat> will not be the end for you. Like what, what I mean is once we uh, assuming we get over this, this will not be the only trial you ever go through. Uh, chances are you will have a trial in the future. Um, and what do you do during a trial? What, where do you go? I think that sometimes uh, the Bible is intimidating because it's so big. Uh, and you could ask the question, where do you go? When there's a trial, where, what place do you go? Where, where do you find yourself? And I would encourage you to, in your mind, think, I need to go to the Psalms. I need to go to the book of Psalms. Um, and sometimes that's hard, too, because it's the largest book of the Bible, 150 chapters. But, but I want to encourage you that the Psalms are a great place for you to go. Uh, when your heart is hurting, when you're confused, when you're um, discouraged about the future perspectives or maybe even the day, uh, I'd encourage you to go to the book of Psalms. And there's a reason why. Um, Psalms is an interesting book. It is a book of songs that were sung. Uh, it's hard for us to imagine that, uh, mostly in Hebrew and the idea that we don't know the tunes and uh, Zach doesn't have charts for all these songs that uh, are in here. Uh, so it's hard for us to jump into that with God's people, but we do have the words. We do have the words translated for us, and I think that's, that's enough and helpful for us uh, because of the, the following things. First of all, uh, Psalms, uh, it reveals the heart of man, the heart of man. And when I say the heart of man, I, I'm not saying necessarily just the good parts, but also the bad parts. And, and the idea of how uh, the heart of man deals with the difficulties of life, uh, the, the, the situations that come up. So it's the heart of man, it's the heart of man combined with, and you can always, most all the time in every psalm, you can sense uh, there's situations of life. There's things going on. Uh, there's current events, if you will, either in the psalmist's life or in God's people, the nation, that are going on presently. And I think that we can really relate to that, that there are things that are going on in your life that are you're thinking about and you're processing, as well as there are things going on in the world today uh, that you're thinking through as well. So there's a heart of man, there's the situations or the heartache of life. There's also, um, I'd say this, there's usually enemies. There, uh, God's people are, are attempting to walk with him and to go, but there are always uh, either haters, enemies, uh, either a group or an individual from the outside that is trying to derail, that really the enemy is trying to use to derail uh, God's people. And then I would say lastly, there's, uh, and, and most importantly, there's the God who rescues us. There's the God who makes the difference. And really, 
what we learn about God through the Psalms many times is how his character applies to the difficulties in our life. How who he is and, and what he's about and how he works, how that applies to the very uh, issues and um, conflicts in our life. And so this is why I believe that the Psalms are a place to run to. And uh, even the last couple of weeks I've been uh, sharing from the book of Psalms. And obviously we could go on uh, for quite a bit of time talking about this. I want to warn you about something in the Psalms. And I, I talked the last couple of weeks actually about inspiration a little bit and inerrancy. And I want to be super careful the way I communicate this because sometimes I, uh, I'm not as clear as I want to be. Not everything that is written in the book of Psalms is right. Let me say that again. Not everything written in the book of Psalms is right. Let me give you an example. I, I, I want to, before you go too far in that, I want to say this. Everything in the book of Psalms is inspired without error. Okay, and you just say you just contradicted yourself. I'll explain. Um, many times in the book of Psalms, the psalmist will say, I, "God, you've forsaken me. Where are you? You're not listening. You you're, you you can't hear me for some reason." Uh, there's other places where it talks about. Um, I, my my favorite example is in Psalm 14, as well as it's repeated again in Psalm 53. Um, and re- remember, this is inspired. If you just cut these words out uh, of the scripture, these inspired words, it says this. There is no God. There is no God. It says it in scripture. Uh, first verse in uh, chapter 14, first verse in chapter 53. It says there is no God. If you look back, if you look it up, you'll realize in the context, it says uh, the, the fool says that. The fool says there is no God. Uh, and that's an inspired quote from the fool. And so be very careful both that you're, you're hearing the heart of man and the heart of man is not right all the time. In fact, uh, you can really, when you think about the heart of man, maybe you can equate that to our feelings, our feelings. And uh, maybe this encourages you as the writers of the Psalms, the different ones, mostly David, but uh, many times his feelings were inappropriate. They were wrong. They were wrong. They were his feelings, but they were definitely wrong or exaggerated. Today we're going to see some exaggerated feelings. Um, And that should encourage us because that's true of us as well. Uh, many times we uh, say wrong things and people ask us about it and we say, well, I just feel that way. And what we're saying is, back off. Back off. I'm right because I feel this way. I want to encourage you, your feelings are not inspired. Your feelings are not right much of the time. And so uh, e- even though the reality of those, and I think it's good to articulate, this is the way I'm feeling. It may not be right, um, as the psalmist would have some of those same feelings. Uh, we are not to follow after those, but rather we are to hear the heart of man um, 
connected with a God who rescues us, a God who cares and uh, is enough for us. Hopefully you'll be able to see that uh, as I go through this psalm today. And if you have more questions about it, I love to talk to you about it because I love talking about the psalms. I love uh, the idea that we are working through what it is to, uh, that our heart would be connected with the Lord's, that we would draw near to him, that his heart would correct our heart um, as we look to him to be the answer for our problems, okay? Uh, today, uh, we're going to look at um, Psalm 55, and, and David is writing out of his own despair and fear, uh, and hopefully we'll see his only answer, which is the same answer for us, it's a God who loves us so much and a God who can calm our fears. And so let me read this to you, uh, Psalm 55. Give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not yourself from my plea for mercy. Attend to me and answer me. Uh, I am restless in my complaint and I moan. Because of the noise uh, of the enemy, uh, because of the oppression of the wicked, For they drop trouble upon me, and in anger uh, they bear a grudge against me. My heart is in anguish within me, and the terrors of, uh, of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come upon me, and horror overwhelms me. Then I say, oh, that I had wings like a dove. I I would fly away and be at rest. Yes, I would wander far away. I would lodge in the wilderness." I would hurry to find a shelter from the raging wind and tempest. Destroy, O Lord, divide their tongues, for I see violence and strife in the city. Day and night they go around its walls, and iniquity and trouble are within it. Ruin is in its midst. Oppression and fraud do not depart from its marketplace." For it is not an enemy who taunts me, then I could bear it. Uh, It is not an adversary who deals insolently with me, then I could hide from him. But it is you, a man, my equal, my companion, my familiar friend. We used to take sweet counsel together within God's house. We walked in the throng. Let death steal over them. Uh, let them go to Sheol alive. For evil is their dwelling place and in their heart. But I call to God and the Lord will save me. Evening and morning and at noon I utter my complaint and he hears my voice. He redeems my soul in safety from the battle that I wage. For many are arrayed against me. God will give ear and humble Uh, humble them, he who is enthroned from of old, because they do not change and do not fear God. My companion stretched out his hand against his friends. He violated his covenant. His speech was smooth as butter, yet war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were uh, drawn swords. Cast your burden on the Lord, And he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. But you, O God, will cast them down into the pit of destruction. Men of blood and treachery shall not live out half their days. 
but I will trust in you. God, we ask your blessing on your word. Help us to trust it and love it. Help us to understand where our own heart is at and where it needs to be trusting and resting in you. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So this psalm of 23 verses, uh, I want to give a bit of an overview uh, of it, uh, not taking every word uh, that is in there. It would take uh, us quite a while, but I do want to give you kind of a summary and then really camp on those last two verses. Um, Really, we see the players, the people, even dissecting, even as I shared with you about the Psalms, uh, who is who is in this psalm? Who, who is he talking about? We, we see this uh, most likely is a psalm of David. That's what our title suggests. Those aren't necessarily inspired. Uh, they were added later, but uh, it seems appropriate that this would be of David. And it starts out uh, talking about him sharing his heart or giving, uh, uh, crying out to the Lord uh, for help. And the, the backdrop of why, why, why he needs help, uh, we get from the context. And there's somehow this group of enemies or people or people disrupting the city. If you look down at verse 3, it says this, Because of the noise of the enemy, uh, because of the oppression of the wicked, uh, for they drop trouble upon me, and in anger they bear a grudge against me. And later on it talks about some of the unrest of the city. And David, as a king uh, and as a leader, was always concerned about the city. He was always concerned about his people and how things were. And uh, you can, to some degree, each one of us can understand when you're a leader, even if it's just in your marriage and in your home, the idea of it being quiet and good and calm and peaceful is what you desire. And yet, uh, as David writes this, he talks about these people, these nameless people out there that are uh, disrupting the city. I think often we, um, we, hear, we hear things uh, from a friend of a friend. Hey, did you know what they're saying about you? Did you, know, did you hear what went on? Uh, it's kind of like the evening news. We hear what's going on from other people. And most of the time, not going to get into a fake news type thing here this morning, but uh, most of the time it's exaggerated. Most of the time, uh, if, uh, if someone says everybody hates you, uh, there's probably not everybody who hates you. There's probably one or two people that don't know you, so they can't hate you. Um, but it's this idea that we are hearing reports and, and in our minds uh, we, we don't like that. We, we hear the reports of the unrest and we attribute it to everybody. Um, and undoubtedly, that, you know, uh, I, I shouldn't say undoubtedly, but quite possibly as David thought about what's going on in the city, it was exaggerated to him and it was exaggerated in his own heart. We realize that... Um, once we get a taste of negativity, many times it discourages our heart and it, it spirals, our heart spirals into other things. And so 
Um, really, when you look at this psalm, there were enemies of David that were out there stirring up trouble. Uh, he knew who they were. He knew generally what was going on in the city. So there were uh, uh, nameless groups of people rebellion in the city. I don't think that's what bothered him. Even as uh, we look to the scriptures, we realize that the greater piece in Psalm 55 is this guy, this one person, him, him, if you will, a known person. And I think that as we uh, think about criticism and enemies, a lot of times if it's just a group of people that we don't know or they don't know us, we don't really care. Oh, I don't care what people think. I, I, I don't, you know, this isn't uh, someone who I care about. The problem with this in this psalm was there was this known person that David knew that he had relationship with, that he would have considered a friend, a companion, a partner, that this is really the, the big person, the big player uh, in this psalm. Some have suggested that this would even be his son, Absalom. Uh, we don't have any indication that that's true, and uh, some have suggested other trusted advisors that uh, David had. Uh, David did not name uh, this particular person, but described him, described him. If you look down at verse 13, and there's, mu- uh, there's a lot of detail in here uh, of description of who this person is, but I'm just going to bring out a few things. That he's a betrayer, a trusted friend who betrayed him. Verse 13 says this, uh, But it is you, a man, my equal, my companion, my familiar friend. We used to take uh, sweet counsel together. Within God's house, we walked in the throng. The picture of uh, being together in the group of people as they would go to celebrate, uh, singing and uh, participating in the worship of God. Man, that'd be difficult, wouldn't it? We used to sit in church together. We used to serve uh, in ministry together. Remember as we taught Sunday school, or remember as we prayed uh, for God's people in His church. Remember as we served uh, as elders, and remember as we served uh, working in Awana together. Remember how we used to care for one another and be with one another. Remember that. This was the type of person that for David, uh, he was concerned with. Uh, The betrayal that happened, we don't get specifics about it. The betrayal was not someone he didn't know. It was a trusted friend that he had worshipped alongside, that they'd encouraged, they had counseled with one another, they had served with one another, they had loved one another. Betrayal of a trusted friend. How difficult. Most of us, uh, if you've lived long enough, you, you can relate to this. That there are people that you trusted and confided in. There are people that you walked with, shared life with, and then they betrayed you. We see also down in verse 21 that this person um, had hip- hypocritical or um, two-faced type speech and actions they they didn't match verse 21 says this his speech speaking of the betrayer 
His speech was smooth as butter, yet war was in his heart. War was in his heart. His, uh, his speech did not match his heart. It was purposely deceptive. And then uh, in the middle of verse 21, his words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. You realize that uh, there's a strategy many times to deception and, uh, or to attack where you act like you're going to be friendly. You are saying things in such a way to win somebody in and then it's just to get them close enough to take them out. Um, it sounds like, you know, survivor or something like that where they're going to the tribal council. Um, they're saying one thing and acting uh, a certain way and then... Uh, the actions do not match. In fact, they're the complete opposite. They're meant to be winsome, the words, and yet um, they're meant to set up the attack of someone. This is the one that uh, is in light, of, you know, in, in view in Psalm 55, which brings us to David himself. And I just want to point out some things about David before we get uh, really to the conclusion of how God meets his needs. Um, and you can look at really we, what we hear from David it, are his thoughts and his prayers for help. Uh, I shared with you earlier, I, I highlighted earlier that verse one, he says, give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not yourself uh, from my plea for mercy. He shares a begging prayer. And I, I want to, I've been talking about this in the nightly things as well as I mentioned it last week. I think that we should get good at begging type prayers. Uh, we are people who are needy people. And sometimes we find ourselves uh, too reserved and we're too put together and we're too self-sufficient that we never see ourselves as a beggar, never see ourselves as a needy person. And yet we are. Um, that's kind of how life uh, comes to us. The, the trials and the fire of life reveal uh, not our own strength, but our own needs. And so uh, as David was going through this difficult time, he uh, shares his crying out sort of prayers. In verse 2, I, I find this interesting because it's repeated twice. Um, in verse 2, uh, he says, attend to me and answer me. I am restless in my complaint and I moan. I moan. Uh, what a picture, right? Oh, no. What am I going to do? Uh, the, the complaints of our heart, the, the situation has brought these complaints and the moaning uh, or groaning of what's going on. Um, if you look down at verse 17, he says this, evening and morning and at noon, I utter my complaint and moan. Uh, once again, uh, it's not just begging, but it's groaning and complaining uh, before the Lord. I want to uh, just stop there and say this. Uh, I, I think as we, one of the things that makes me feel uncomfortable sometimes are the Psalms. Because the idea of complaining and moaning before the Lord doesn't sound appropriate. It doesn't sound um, 
you know, the things, it's not appropriate because he's been so good to us that we should be thankful, and we should. Um, sometimes we think that we can somehow hide our own state of our own heart from the Lord, that uh, we complain and moan before other people or in the privacy somehow that God can't see, and yet we don't bring those complaints, those moans before the Lord. And I want to tell you, he sees it all. And the psalmist, um, in a, a real uh, moment of being authentic and real, uh, shares with us through the inspiration of God that he is moaning and complaining before the Lord. Um, and the reality is that's what he was doing. Uh, that's where he was at. That This is where David's heart is. Uh, I think that sometimes we look at, and there's been even books that have been titled Heroes of the Bible because they did all these great things. And you look at this chapter and you say, Heroes of the Bible, David moaning and groaning. You know, not very heroic, right? Not very like a knight in shining armor coming in. Like th- there wasn't this sense of victorious living right here. Uh, in fact, it, sense, it, it shows to me kind of defeated. Um, I, I looked down at uh, verse or up, I skipped over this, verse 4. Listen to the description of what David uh, was describing his present reality. He says, my, uh, my heart is angu- in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come upon me, and horror overwhelms me. Um. I look at this and I go, boy, that's pretty dramatic words he uses right there. Uh, if if you were to bump into David on the street or you had an opportunity to speak to him and you said, hey, uh, David, how's it going? How's it going? He'd say, I'm anguished. I'm going to die. I'm in horror and trembling. Pretty dramatic and I, I'm, I want to be careful here. I don't know exactly the situation, but those are incredibly dramatic words. And, and sometimes uh, we talk like that. Somebody says, well, how are you feeling? And you say, oh, I feel like I'm going to die. Well, what's wrong? I'm just so tired. <laughs> tired? And you're going to die from being tired? No, I just feel like I'm going to die. <laughs> Um, you, you, you say, uh, I, I think it's funny. Sometimes we try to encourage one another and you might say to someone, you say, well, have you felt this way before? Um, and you say, yeah, uh, yeah, I have felt it. Well, so you're probably not going to die. Uh, yeah, but last time I died, like we talk about it, like it actually happened. We haven't died. We, th- these aren't things that are as dramatic we, if, as we trust in the Lord, we realize that he minimizes our fears. He brings them down to a realistic, clear picture, not these incredibly anguished, death, trembling, horror type words. And so I want to encourage you as you talk about things, and this is a, a unique time for us. Um, we, uh, we, you know, I, I've had these conversations over the last few weeks. Hey, so how are you doing? And for most of us, the 
the quarantine has been an inconvenience. An inconvenience. Uh, you had to wait in line for a few moments at Home Depot because they were only allowing 100 people in at a time. And uh, it wasn't something heroic you were doing. It wasn't bringing you to the point of death. Uh, you were just trying to get to the paint department, right? It wasn't that big of a deal. But we talk about it like it's this incredible uh, travesty, this idea that we almost lost our lives. Um, be careful, uh, but know that our heart is prone to that, They're prone to that. And as you read the Psalms, you realize this, that the psalmists were right there with us, describing the own fe- their own feelings in their heart and being dramatic and unrealistic about it. Which brings us uh, to one other piece of David that I, I, I want to point out. In verse 6, um, he says this, and oh, that I had wings like a dove, and I would fly away and be at rest. Um, yes, I would wander far away. I would lodge in the uh, wilderness. And then he says, uh, I would hurry up and find shelter from the raging wind and tempest. Once again, dramatic words. Um, and what is he saying? I want to go. I should. I wish. I just got to run away and hide, run away and hide. Uh, many of you feel that way too. And it's, it's this picture of getting up in the morning and realizing you're in the same place you went to bed the night before and wanting to somehow take the covers and pull them up over their, your head and say, I just want to hide from the world today. I just don't want to deal with the problems that are out there. I, I wish there were a place that I could run where nobody could find me, uh, even wings like a dove, that I would fly away. And if I could get some other place, I'd be at rest. Many of us have done this. Uh, we've sought rest. We've sought to run away from the problems that we have. We've sought to somehow go to a place, maybe even move to Tehachapi as part of that plan of saying, I just need to get away from my problems. The psalmist felt that too. He felt uh, the need to run away and hide to find the place of shelter. Then lastly, kind of the place where we started, uh, verse 16, and we'll, there's other portions of this, other verses too. But in verse 16 it says, But I call to God and the Lord will save me. He's once again, he's begging, calling. He knows where to go. Um, I think sometimes we have this attitude, well, I got to do something. Um, and I'd rather go to some place that won't help. I'd rather just do something. Even if it won't help, I'll be doing something. The psalmist knew that God was the place. God was the person. He was the one, his character, his work, his, uh, excellencies, if you will, poured out in my life would be the answer. And so it brings us, uh, we have enemies, we have a specific enemy, we have the heart of David struggling and crying out to God. Lastly, um, these last two verses, and this is where I want to spend the rest of our time, how do we live? How do we live in crisis? How do we live when we have enemies? How do we live 
when the burdens of life are getting us. And I want to tell you, uh, chances are um, this isn't your particular situation. Uh, Maybe you don't relate to David as a leader of many people and worry about unrest in the city. Maybe you don't have a specific enemy that you were incredibly close to that betrayed you and has sought for your downfall. Maybe you don't. But the, the last two verses tell us how to live in really in any crisis, how to uh, care for our soul, how to walk through it, what to do, what steps to take. And um, they're very simple and succinct but I think they'll be helpful for us as we go about them. First of all, cast your burden. In verse 22, it says this, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. Uh, we, we sang earlier, um, I won't be shaken, I won't be moved. And uh, we should almost laugh when we sing that. It wouldn't be appropriate, but because um, it, it's this victory, like uh, as he looked to the future, I won't be shaken. I won't be moved. I'm invincible. I'm invincible. And that's when you should laugh. Uh, because the idea, if you look at your track record, uh, you've been shaky, wishy-washy, moved a million times in the past. Why would that not be the future? I won't be shaken. I won't be moved. Well, the reason that is because uh, the blessed assurance, the one we're trusting in, is not ourselves. As we trust in him, he will be the one that will cause us not to be moved. And as you look at this, this this picture here, it, it should remind us of 1 Peter, where it says, cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you, First uh, Peter 5. Um, there's this picture of taking our burdens, the things that, that uh, trouble our heart, the things that cause us worry and concern for the future. And, and I think about this and I go, uh, so we should cast our burdens on the Lord once a week, right? Once a week, whether we need it or not, right? It's kind of like a, a, um, a Saturday night bath before uh, we go to church Sunday morning, right? Um, No, no. When when should we be casting our burdens? How often should we be casting our burdens on the Lord? Well, if you're anything like me, if you're anything like me, and I'm trying to be clear on this, my burdens are moment by moment, moment by moment. It's not that I'm always worrying about things, that I'm always burdened. But if you give me a moment, I can get there, right? Uh, If you ask me, is there anything bothering you right now? And I would say, well, well, now that you mentioned it, now that you mentioned it, yes, there are some things. And I could list them out before you. What am I supposed to do with these things? What, What am I supposed to do when the burdens of life? And let's back up here. When you think about David, when you think about David, um, were his burdens real? Were his burdens real? Think about that right now. Yes. This was a real guy that he was describing. Uh, Chances are, it was not someone he has made up in his mind. 
And was he an enemy? Was he someone that had uh, done real things uh, against David? Yes, yes. It's not that these burdens weren't real. They may have been exaggerated and caused more fear, waves of it uh, outside of that. But these things were real. I, I think that often we want to try to do mental hopscotch, if you will, and say, oh, uh, it's not real. I'm going to talk myself out of that that's really not a burden. If it is a burden, it has a place. It has a place, and it has a place to be with the Lord, to cast your burdens on the Lord. I think that's super important when you think about how to live and how to live uh, through the burdens of life, to learn how to cast them on the Lord. Knowing this, uh, that he will sustain you. I think often as Americans, we like to think of ourselves as strong people. And I'm looking at this passage and I'm not seeing a strong person. I'm seeing a weak person who has uh, a God, a Lord, the one who he loves and loves him that will be enough for him in any situation. He's the one who will sustain him. And the confidence he says, he says, he will never permit the righteous to be moved. Why does he know that he will be kept and stay where he needs to be? Um, It's because he's trusting in his Lord. I want to go on uh, to verse 23 and point something out. Verse 23 says this, but, but you, O God, will cast them down into, into the pit of destruction. Men of blood and treachery shall not live out half their days. The picture here and, and throughout the psalm is that David's calling for God's justice to come on uh, his enemies. And we know this, uh, and I think this is important to point out when you think about your life, you will have enemies and there will be people who, who do you wrong, who do you wrong. And it's easy to become vindictive, bitter, and want them to pay and want to be the ones to make them pay. Um, much of the time we justify our wrong actions. Uh, they said this to me, so I said this to them. Somebody says, well, that was wrong. I I know it was wrong, but if they wouldn't have said this to me, I wouldn't have said this to them, so it's on them. I want to tell you, and uh, this is a teaching of Scripture, not just in this passage, but throughout the Scripture, justice is the Lord's. He's the one to go about doing. If there's an injustice that needs to be corrected, it's His. And we can cry out for that. We can pray for that. We can um, hurt. And the Lord knows all that. And he's going to do what's best because he's a just, but also a kind God. He will bring about justice. It's not for us to do. And then lastly, I want to say this. And it's the last few words of the chapter. But I will trust in you. But I will trust in you. Um. Sweet words, sweet words. Um, The world's a mess, the world's a mess, but I will trust in you. There's injustice that's hurt me, but I will trust in you. Things aren't the way they should be. People have done wrong. There's unrest in the streets, 
but I will trust in you. Um, I want you to ask yourself the question this morning, what is your problem? And maybe that's that list that I talked about. I got all kinds of problems, but what are the burdens that, that, that cause you uncertainty for the future? What are the things that cause you to become anxious and worry and nervous and unsettled? What are your problems? And secondly, uh, maybe an add-on to that, who are the enemies? Who are the enemies? Who are the ones you fear? For some of you, it's uh, our government. You're constantly in fear of the government. And it's not that you know, crazy things aren't happening. Crazy things are happening. Maybe you're uh, afraid of the government. Maybe you're afraid of a particular leader, president or governor. And the next president, the next governor, like maybe, maybe it kind of goes out from here. Maybe it's a law that you're afraid of. What is your problem? What is your enemy? I just want to give you uh, two words. And they should be your two-step way to handle life in the midst of crisis. Cast and trust. Cast and trust. Cast your burdens before your Lord who will be enough for you, cause you to be sustained, help you uh, to not be moved. Cast, and I think these are in order, cast and then trust. Trust in the Lord. And the way to calm your fears is to say, well, I brought that before the Lord. Now I will trust him to be enough for me in the days ahead. I realize that, um, especially in this setting, as we're watching online and live streaming, there might be people who have walked away from the Lord or not trusting in the Lord. Maybe you've never trusted in the Lord. I want to tell you, uh, you're in a bad spot. You don't have to be there. You don't have to be there. And even today, you could come and you could trust in Jesus. He forgive you of your sins. You'd be in right relationship with the God who I've been speaking of this morning that you can have that relationship as a father, uh, father-child relationship where the child can bring their crazy thoughts, their uh, fearful ideas, the, you know, the, the feeling of there's a monster in the closet. He, the child can do all that to the father and the father will calm the child because he loves them, will care for them, give them everything that they need. You need to be in relationship with uh, God. That, that's your Um, the most important thing for you this morning. And for those of us who have trusted in Christ, that we have, uh, our sins are forgiven, for us to remember that we have ongoing relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit continuing to work in us, that we would remember that life is not meant to be handled, it's not meant to be handled by ourselves. Crisis is meant to draw us back to our God who loves us so much that we would cast our burdens on him and then we would trust him for the days ahead, for the moments and days ahead. This is my message to you and not my message, but this is God's message to you from Psalm 55. Please uh, join with me in prayer. God, thank you for this morning and the richness of your word and God, I do ask that you would uh, teach us this well in such a way that we would not forget, but that you would use your goodness 
to draw us to yourself that we might trust you in this day right now with what's going on. God, we um, are a country of self-sufficient people and uh, in some ways that's good, and but other ways, many ways, it's bad, especially when it comes to our relationship with you. Help us to find ourselves as dependent on you and you alone. God, do your work in the people who are listening right now, my own heart as well, uh, as we learn to trust you for the days ahead. Glorify yourself in your church, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much uh, for tuning in. Uh, we hope to meet uh, online uh, tomorrow and the, the week ahead. I know the kids are meeting too, so remember that. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, we'll hope to see you soon.